working drummer. Now kick it. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, serving up perspectives, experiences, and stories from ground-level working pros. Advice, tips, and secrets on how to build a career in the music business. Hey everybody, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast, Working Drummer. Today, my interview is with drummer Garrett Goodwin. Garrett has spent the last decade as the drummer for country superstar Carrie Underwood. And as you can guess, this gig has afforded him the opportunity to fill a very full bucket list of venues and TV appearances. I'm talking about places like Royal Albert Hall, Madison Square Garden, and TV shows like Saturday Night Live and David Letterman. Garrett was relatively young when he started with Kerry, but his solid and confident approach to the drum set has proven to be, and continues to be, an asset to the gig. In 2013, he was named number one up-and-coming drummer in Modern Drummer magazine, and this year was nominated for Country Drummer of the Year in Modern Drummer. On top of a demanding tour schedule, Garrett continues to create opportunities for himself, whether it's co-creating the Nashville Sampling Company or maintaining a nonprofit that helps to benefit children in developing countries. We all love vintage gear, and I bet you know someone that owns an old Les Paul or maybe a 56 Fender Strat that never leaves the home, and the question is, why do we love this gear? It looks cool, it gives you that warm, handcrafted tone, and often brings a unique vibe to the music. Of course, it has its limitations, and if we're talking drums, we run into problems like its fragility, limited tuning. So where am I going with this? Well, once again, I went back out to KHS America in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, to spend some time with some vintage gear. I'm talking about the Sonar Vintage Series Kit. I had seen and heard these at Summer NAM, but now I had a little one-on-one with these beautiful drums. Some specs you should know that make these drums uh, a modern vintage kit. The shells are that hand-selected premium German beach shell with rounded bearing edges. Keep in mind, this comes from the same forest of beechwood trees that were used in the manufacturing of sonar drums from the 1960s. The recreated teardrop lugs are a big deal. They look and feel just like the original, but now it has sonar's exclusive tune-safe system. In other words, they stay in tune. There are many beautiful finishes you can choose from, like the Vintage Pearl and my favorite, the Red Oyster. It looks, sounds, and feels like a vintage kit, but maintains the quality and reliability of a modern kit. You could really call this a modern vintage kit. So go to us.sonar.com to learn more about the vintage series and find a dealer near you. So let's do this. Here is Garrett Goodwin. As you know, being on the road, there there is a lot more. You think that it would be busier than necessarily being home, but there is a lot more downtime and free time. Um, I always say, you know, I get I get paid to to sit around on the road because there's so much of that. And um, but you know, on a normal day, normal tour day, um, show day, uh, you you kind of getting a weird sleep schedule when you're out on the road for so long and you end up sleeping in late even though you try to get up early but you end up not going to bed until who knows what time every night and you're just so amped once you get off stage at 11 o'clock or whatever time um so i I try to get up early and get a little workout in do a little reading do what i can and um and then around early afternoon we head over to the venue um we do a sound check that's by the by the middle of the tour we have that down to about 10 15 minute sound check oh wow and um and then man more, more sitting around <laughs> so in those times in between i you know what i found is in past tours i um i did sit around a lot and i was like man i've got to figure out what i'm what to do in between with all this downtime in between sound check and show time because you have gosh 5 6 hours just in that time right there Right. And uh, um, so what I've been trying to do on this tour is I go out and I, I'll meet a, a drummer that's in town that wants to meet for coffee or I'll, I'll go to a local music store and give lessons or um, just go just to hang out with the people at the music store and um, just different things like that to try to, to try to obviously connect with people. And I, I just enjoy hanging and, and getting to know people in, in all these different cities and see local music stores and all that stuff. So Yeah, on that point, because that was going to be one of my questions, is how you manage drum lessons and clinics on the road. Have, have you found that to be 
beneficial to, I mean, I'm sure on so many levels that sometimes is easy to quantify and, and, and otherwise it's hard to say for sure if hanging with somebody that day will reap any benefits, but have you noticed like this has been a good use of my time or this is just something like I like to do? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think I've found that I went into it going, you know, it, uh, this year, like the tour started in January. So my mentality was in, in all the downtime that I have, I don't want to sit around. I go crazy sitting around. Yep. I, I can't stand it. So yep. what can I do? And I went, if I just go hang with guys, if I go to local music stores, if I do any, anything I can, then it's better than just sitting on a bus all day. Um, and, and that has kind of turned into, um, obviously, that's what the industry is all about, networking and yeah. meeting people and being in the right place. So even for me, um, where I'm at, you know, even just going to a local music store and making that connection and, um, and meeting the the, the owners or the managers or whatever, it makes it great because the next time I come around, they're like, hey, next time you're around, let's, let's do a clinic. Let's have you come in and do a clinic mm-hmm. or um, have you come in and do lessons. And so e- even if I don't have um, lessons set up in a place, yeah. it's good just to go do that just because next time around, now you have that relationship established and, um, and, and it's great. And again, it's cool just meeting different people and new people. But um, it's been it's been great because it, it, it has turned into where I've done I've done a ton of lessons and a, a ton of uh, I guess call it coaching mm-hmm. I guess you know where I'll just meet a guy at a coffee shop and we'll just talk about drums or life or the industry or all yeah. these different things yeah. and um, it, it's cool man everybody's so different that it's such a cool 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 thing so yeah I think that's a brilliant idea man I, I think so many people are finding ways to. Uh, use their downtime productively. Uh, you know, I know reading, going to the gym. I mean, those are those are those are great things. And um, but actually, kind of making um, plans to stay in a network is really uh, it's good foresight because a lot of times you're involved in a gig that if it went away tomorrow, you'd be like, "Uh Oh, now what? Well, that's the thing. Even, even on this level, I mean, it could go away tomorrow. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Right. I mean, for so so many different reasons, you get in trouble because I find guys that they go, Oh cool. I'm on this big gig or I'm, I'm out doing this. And then they're like, I I can just sit back and enjoy it and take it in and do whatever I want in the downtime. Mm -hmm. But man, and they get in trouble because it's a, you're, you're your own business. You've got to constantly be trying to grow it and network, and that doesn't stop no matter what level you're on. In my opinion, that's it's very um, it's uh, it's very true, very wise too. Kind of staying on this when you are meeting somebody and talking life uh, with somebody that kind of wants to know what your life is like and what direction uh, they might want to go. Is there any question that seems to come up? a lot with players that you meet any advice that they're seeking or a common question that might pop up the most asked thing is how do i how do i make it how do i get in the industry how do i you know how do i get a gig mm-hmm. you know what i mean that, yeah. that's kind of the biggest question but it's it's also the hardest question to answer um, right how do you react what you is know, you your, can, how do you approach that question you have your things that you say you have your um you know, it's all about networking and they're all very true things. And it's, it's all about being in the right place at the right time. You know, all those things are very key and very important. But what I, what I try to do before I get to that question or before someone asks me that question is try to figure out where they are, um, as a person and as a player, you know, Mm -hmm. do they, do they need work as a player? Do they need, can they play with a click? Can they, you know, where do they live? Do they live in the middle of New Mexico? And, and I mean, you know what I mean? All yes. those things kind of yeah. factor in to the answer. And, um, and it's, it's, it's tough, man. It's tough to tell a guy, man, if you're stuck in the middle of New Mexico and you can't, you can't really get out of there, it's like you want to give them inspiration, but it, you, you 
you have to be real with them as well and, and yeah. tell them, you know, they're, they're not to say there there isn't a chance, but it definitely um, minimizes the chance a lot. You know what I mean? Well, right. And uh, depending on what level or depending on what type of gig they're looking for, because, you know, we know drummers all over the country in different pockets and different scenes that are playing at different levels. As When I say that, like... Um, different types of gigs, maybe the amount that they play. And we know that happens all over the world. But I think what you're getting at is when you're looking at like a major tour with a major label artist, you ha- there's limited opportunities when you are not in a major music town like Nashville or New York or L.A., uh, so, I mean, those opportunities are available, but I know what you're saying and, and everyone has different reasons for, um, being where they are or whether it's family reasons or uh, financial or, or otherwise or other responsibilities that keep them from going to those places. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying. And, you know, I'll talk to you guys that, that do live in, in a certain place and they say, you know, I just want to be one of the guys that plays in my town yeah. and plays, you know, a lot of gigs. And that's, that's cool. I mean, that's to help get to that point is, is, you know, is great to talk about, but mm-hmm. I do find a lot of guys go, I feel like I'm at the, the ceiling in my city. I feel like I'm playing all these gigs. I'm playing consistently and I enjoy it, but I just, I know that I, there's, I feel like I'm hitting a roof. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where to go from here, and um, you know what that next step is. Right, and it's scary. It's a scary step, you know. If some someone at that that is kind of the the big fish in their city, all of a sudden is like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna bite the bullet and move to Nashville to where there's millions of drummers, and now I'm just a small fish again. You know what I mean? Right, so it's right. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, crazy, and, and uh, it can be intimidating for sure. All of us in the band are pretty tight, and so we hang through the day. We um, we may go try to find a local restaurant or whatever, but yeah, man, it's it's pretty much just just hang out, you know, at eight eight whatever, hit the stage, you know, play, and then yeah, get back on the bus and off to the next city and try to wind down. So yeah, that's um, yeah. it's 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 fun. It's fun. Um, on your setup on the on the gig, uh, do you have are there samples or electronics that are being used uh, with Carrie's gig? And if so, how much are you a part of creating that or managing that? Um, yeah, there's. I have a, a Roland SPD ESX. Um, and then also there is on the track, there is a few things, not too much. Um, I try to play as much of the loops as possible, okay. um, the more simple ones on the SPD. But when, say, the loop goes through the whole song, I may play for the first verse. But then when the full kick comes in, I'll drop off the SPD and then the loop on the computer kind of takes over. I see. I see. Um, but I've been trying on this tour especially, been trying to, to be more involved in that and conscious of that because I think it's one one of those things that I don't, I didn't necessarily think I would ever uh, want to get into or get into, and I kind of go, man, that's not really playing drums. But I found that that's where things are going, mm-hmm. and that's um, you got to kind of stay with it, and and um, even if you don't necessarily love it at first, it's it's something new to learn, and um, and it kind of a new musical element in a different way, I guess you could say. Right. Um, so I've I've actually really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed having it and, and learning it and trying to to integrate it more into the set and into the show. It's been cool. And it's I think that there's those of us that discover this creative element that maybe we've kind of maybe not paid attention to in our life and think, well, that's not really playing, like you say. But man, the sounds and the effects you still—it's all about tapping into the creative part of your brain and it's like man we could really make some cool music with this why not uh especially if the music allows it absolutely yeah i mean it's 
it re- really, when you step back and look at it, it's another instrument in a way. Yes, you know, it, yes. might, it might be electronic and programmed or things like that, but it is another musical instrument. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great thing. And how is it? I mean, it's not really that different than a keyboard player using samples to get his sound. He still has to play it and execute it. And and I, I like the fact that you're playing the sample part when you're not playing the full kit. So I'm sure visually the audience is seeing you playing up there and you're right. just not sitting back there waiting for your part to kick in on the kit while this drum groove, electronic or otherwise, is happening. You know, then there's still that like, they're like, okay, there's a performance going on here. Right, yeah, and that's that's kind of where it stemmed from a little bit for me was... I found that with this new album, there was a lot of um, beginnings of songs or certain part of songs where the loop carried it. And I went, man, I don't just want to be sitting there yeah. doing nothing. I want to, I want to be doing something. So it, it did kind of stem from that actually. And, and uh, then I learned that I actually do enjoy it and love it. And it's, it's fun to play though. It's fun to play. It's fun. Yeah. It's a different element. So it's, it's very cool. And was that your choice? I mean, like if you wanted to sit back there while the loops were happening and, Check your Facebook status. Uh, <laughs> would that have been your choice, or did the band leader said, "Hey, man, let's try this," where you're acting and interacting more? No, it was that was kind of my choice. You know, mm-hmm. there he's he's very uh, trusting of of what we do, and the you know if if we want to do this or add this or not do this, then he go he he'll say, "Man, whatever you think." Yeah, whatever you want to do. So we're we're very lucky when it comes to that. And so it was kind of one of those things where I said, "Man, I'm gonna I'm gonna add this. I want to add this in. Let's try it out." So right, right, yeah. I want to get to how the carry gig came about, but um, why don't we back up? Uh, we were talking about you're from Pensacola originally, and then can you give us a, a walk through kind of of the timeline of what brought you to Nashville, and then maybe um, some of the things that you were doing before the carry gig and then what led up to that absolutely yeah i um i grew up in in pensacola playing in church um you know it's really all i did it's i was playing in church as much as i could every night and uh when i was 17 i uh, decided i'm gonna i'm gonna try i'm gonna go to nashville and and i had uh the church i was playing in the uh the musical leader there uh, was moving up to actually start a church in Nashville. So it was a great opportunity for me to go. And so I moved to Nashville and I started playing in that church as well. And, and I was young, I was 17. So I was just trying to do as much of that kind of stuff as I could, because it was about the extent of the networking as I could really do. Um, you know, I couldn't really go out and do all that stuff, but yeah, so I I moved there, just kept playing. I played in a, a local, not a local. Uh, it was a, we were a national touring band, it was a Christian band um, called By the Tree. Mm-hmm. Um, did that for a little while, and um, that was kind of coming to an end. And I mean, it's crazy. Timing is everything. It all all just kind of fell into place. And I, um, you know, I I was somewhere doing a sound check for somebody, and there was some guys there saying, what are you up to these days? Mm-hmm. I said, you know, not too much. What I'm doing is kind of coming to an end. And, and, uh, they said, you might be getting a call for something. And that's about when I got the, uh, the next day is when I got the call to go try out with, with, uh, for Carrie actually. Wow. And, um, it's wild, man. It's like that, that sound check that I went and did was, was for something I was supposed to do, but they brought in a studio guy that, that, um, was going to actually do the gig and he couldn't make the sound check. So I went and did it. It's just, it's crazy. It was like this whole thing of, of I wasn't even supposed to be there. And then I didn't even really want to be there, mm-hmm. but I, I went and I had a good attitude and I did it anyways. And, uh, look at what came out of it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, right. Right. It's pretty wild. It, was there something about that? You said good attitude. Obviously they heard your playing that caught their attention so um, it's so funny. There's so many stories of people saying, well, I wasn't doing anything and I got a last minute call to go down and do this gig and I really wasn't into it. But I went in, you know, just ready to do my best and have a good attitude and and try and play my best, even if it wasn't my thing. 
And then there's somebody in the band that, or somebody in the audience or whatever, or around you that says, man, I, I dig this and I know somebody that knows somebody that needs a drummer or whatever. So there, there's all those stories of that and it, it's a good reminder when maybe you're just not into it and, and it's like, no, take everything seriously because you never know what could come of it. That's it. That's it. I mean, that's what it's all about. And, and uh, it's about having that good attitude and playing like every time you play, it's the last time you're going to play or every time you play um, you, there's, there's someone there watching going, I could use this guy or I know someone that could use this guy. You right. always have to keep that mentality right. of you never know what's going to come mm-hmm. from it, no matter what it is. Right. And I, I found that the, the things that I haven't necessarily wanted to do in the past um, are the th- things that opportunity always come from. And then the things that maybe pay really well, or I'm like, I love this. And nothing really ever comes from it. I may do it and it's, great but not too much comes from it so Mm. it's so good to kind of keep that mentality no matter what right right what was the audition process then after that point it was just um you know i i got the call and they uh, the band leader said you know learn these these three songs come in and and play them so about 24 hours later i went in and played the songs and they videoed it and all that stuff and then you know, I met with management and Carrie and all that stuff, and it was it was a about a month long process. But um, you know, it was it, it was it was good as far as far as playing. It was simple. It was you know, hey, learn these three songs and do it. And I know a bunch of guys tried out for it. And oh, yeah. um, I, man, that's one of those things too. It's like I, I know I can I can confidently say I probably wasn't the best drummer that tried out for it, but I do know that there's a lot more in this industry that goes along with that. And that's like we were just talking about. It's having that good attitude and, and, um, you know, being able to, to understand what the music calls for. If that's simplicity or, you know, pocket and it's not a one man show and there's all those little things that kind of factor in that, um, you know, go a long way in the music industry. So it's, it's pretty amazing. When you approached these three songs, did you try and learn the songs verbatim or did you just, was it your own take on them? What was your approach to that? You know, I always, at the time, I don't know that I I knew that I was necessarily doing this, but after talking to guys, I'll have guys call me and say, Hey, I have a tryout for this gig. Um, how am I supposed to play? Yeah. And I say, man, you're play like you play. You're obviously got the audition because they liked what you did. So don't change that up. Even if it's obviously you got to play for what the music calls for you. There, there's a style or a feel, um, but do what you do. You know what I mean? And and I think when I went into that that tryout, it was I did, I don't know that I realized that at the time. And um, but I went in and I set up my drums really weird, like I do. And yeah. And I had my big cymbals, and I, I played like like I I always have played my whole life. You know what I mean? And, and obviously, I learned the songs and the feel, but you know, I I played my fills or my different things like that. You know, and and um, and that's I think that's what people want. They want they want what you do, not what everybody else does or what necessarily the album is or things like that. You know? Yeah. yeah. I think there are times when you might have an artist that wants, I mean, there's been, gosh, I had a chance to work with an artist uh, over a weekend, and she wanted every crash cymbal, every drum (laughs) fill, exactly, to the point where after the show, they took the board tape on the bus with the band leader and her and I sitting around taking notes, and I was playing two gigs with them. And she's like, uh, there's no crash symbol there. Like, I hit a crash symbol where there shouldn't have been. Um, it was amazing. But I, I think you're right, though. I, I think that's good advice because people are learning and they're, they're understanding the benefit of letting people do what they do. And if you dig it, and if, you know, if Garrett comes in and plays the way he plays, and you're like, this is cool, I want this on stage let him do what he does because that's going to be so right. much better when you do your thing 
than if you're trying to cop everything that the session player might have done that day in the studio, <laughs> you know, which might right, not even right. been something that he wanted to do if it was two days later, you know? Um, that's yeah, great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's I've been on gigs like that as well, but I've always found, I'm trying to figure out the right way to say this, I've always found that, I don't want to say this the wrong way. <laughs> it seems like those those gigs that I've been on like that or like what you were just talking about in your scenario yeah. are are um, gigs or artists that maybe don't have the confidence of, hey, I'm hiring you because I trust you. Yes. They kind of have the thing of, of, I have to do this just like this because I'm told that this is how it's supposed to be. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? It does. Um, I- I believe that. Go ahead. Uh, well, I think you're you're on to something there, and I think that that's a trend, and it it might stem more from the Nashville pop country scene, it more so than any other scene across the country or the world. Is that there was this trend where you had to play exactly like the record, and there are times with clicks and and um, and tracks and video feed that. That, that there has to be an arrangement and a feel that has to be there always. But if the exact feel and the exact thing, I think that's going away. I think that trend is is luckily dissipating. Right. Absolutely. I totally agree. Totally agree. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a very trusting gig. They, they, they kind of look at it like, we hired you, so we trust what you're going to do and yeah. that you're going to nail it every night. And that alone to me is, is you know, a lot on your shoulders, I guess, you know. And, and it's like you said a minute ago, it, it's a uh, – when you have, have all this stuff linked together, when the whole show runs off of a computer basically where, you know, when they – when you hit space bar, the stage starts moving and the lights – start moving and the you know there's no drifting off of that and Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and for two hours every night you know you've got to be on it you know and you've got to be there's no just sitting back and relaxing it's it's like okay i've got to nail this again tonight you know what i mean and and i wouldn't i don't ever really think about it because i find once you start overthinking things like that that you'll get in trouble and and i just go you know what i've done it a million times I can do it again and you got to kind of have that confidence I think is the word um Mm -hmm. of I can do this and and you know I can't mess this show up you know what I mean this is this is a big deal you know and um and again that all ties in with what we were talking about is having that mentality and that confidence even in the small gigs in the when there's 10 people there or 10,000 people there or whatever it is, I think that it's always carrying that confidence, not cockiness, but confidence mm-hmm. of that and, and playing 100% every night because that's going to that's gonna relay, that's going to flow into, say you're in a smaller band and you end up in a, uh, playing for a big artist or a big band. You know, that's just, it's if you do it every day it's just going to come natural in a way right um so that's kind of the mentality i've always had i wouldn't say there's any um you know off the wall demands or anything that's that's uh out of the ordinary i guess you could say um but yeah i just think that the show as a whole is is it's a little bit to carry in a way you know yeah well i think there's some elements that that maybe are uh unique to a, a group of of drummers that have these responsibilities that you describe um, with the type of show that Carrie puts on. And then also on top of that, it sounds like you have a work environment and a band leader that has this trusting element that sometimes a lot of people don't get. And that's a beautiful thing. So absolutely. That's absolutely. I'm I'm definitely, definitely blessed to have that. I, 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 I realize that. I do realize that. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know you've covered this many times in articles. You're set up. Uh, a good friend of mine just moved back to Nashville, and we were talking, and and, uh, and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be uh, interviewing uh, Garrett Goodwin. And he was like, um, 
oh yeah, he's got the funky setup who plays with Carrie. Like that's the first thing <laughs> that he says. Of course. Um, I keep wanting to call you Barrett, man. I, I just sit Barrett. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like, why do I have Garrett? Why do I have Barrett sit <laughs> down? No. So uh, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time because I know the, the a bit of the background is that what no one really was there to help you with the setup and you just set things up the way you felt it was. Could you describe yeah, that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I always played with everything pretty flat. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it, it evolved over time of, of the kind of a forward tilt. And I kind of, uh, uh, I lean over the drums a little bit. Um, and so it, when I'm sitting there, everything feels pretty flat to me. Yeah. Um, which I know sounds completely crazy. But when I'm sitting and I'm playing and, and my, the way my throw is, Mm-hmm. is and the way my stance is it just makes sense to me everything lands where it feels like it needs to land and um and i don't know how it got to that it wasn't me going oh i want i want to do something different or i want it to look cool it was just yeah. it was a complete comfort thing yeah it's it does it look sense to me and um it does look cool that? though it does look cool man <laughs> i can't <laughs> yeah. tell you that well well uh, to I'm kind of OCD, so to me, I go, gosh, why can't I just, why can't it look like perfect? You know what I mean? But yeah. it looks like a mess. <laughs> but man, I preach comfort, and if it's comfortable for you, do it. You know, and yeah, um, yeah. Uh, don't don't necessarily just do something because you're supposed to do it. Yeah. Is what I always say. Um, and and yeah. for for a hand yeah. thing, for your hands, it, I I see that from a. a a, from your feet, though, I think that's the weird thing for me. It's like sitting low and having your feet that way. Has that ever been an issue, or is that a comfort thing as well? You mean with because it's so spread out? Well, yeah, and and you're sitting low too, aren't you? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. sit pretty low. Mm-hmm. So, um, man, again, I think it's because I've done it for so long. Um, gotcha. I've tr- tried to sit high. I've tried to set up normal and obviously every now and then i have to play kits that are that way but um you know i i find that as far as my feet the uh i don't i don't get as much power i guess as you would say Mm. when i sit high there's just something again i think it's from doing it for so long that yeah it's uh i feel off offset i feel crooked when i if I try to set up high, you know, I see. Um, so it's 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 complete comfort thing, hundred percent. As you become a more recognizable name uh, over time, and with combination of working with Carrie, uh, some of the modern drummer accolades that you've gotten, have you noticed anybody copying your setup? maybe young players that are watching and listening or maybe other players that are like, that's cool. That looks cool. He's doing his thing. Have you ever seen somebody doing more of what you're doing? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always cool to see that too. And, and, you know, I have even buddies, young, young drummers that I, I kind of mentor and, and give lessons and they, they kind of have that, they start to do the tilt thing and I go, man, don't just do it because you think it looks cool. Like do it if it's comfortable, you know, yeah. don't, don't hurt yourself trying to do something just <laughs> to whatever. But so I, I've seen, yeah, I have seen a few guys and you know, you see little things here and there and, and I've actually, uh, do you know Daru Jones? I do not. He, no. He's a drummer. He plays for Jack White. Um, I do know. I do and, know. I saw that. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, everyone's told me, you know, I, Hey, you know, you and Daru, you guys set up a lot alike. And, and it's funny cause I never knew of him until I think we were playing on the Grammys one time and it's kind of the two stages next to each other. And I, they, uh, Jack White was playing right before us. And, mm-hmm. um, I look over and I'm like, man, his kit is tilted like like mine i'm like that's awesome but he sits real high over the kit as well yeah um so it may make more sense to some guys but yeah you know it's it's always cool to see unique setups and and it's always cool as well to to see guys or or kids that go yeah man you inspired me to try something different or Mm -hmm. you know till my snare because and i found that it's way more comfortable and works for me and that's that's always cool to hear and see yeah um it's it's uh, it's awesome 
I do, when you mentioned that uh, playing with Jack White, I remember seeing him. Maybe it was on the Grammys, and I'm like, "Oh, that's cool. It's, he's got that tilting uh, the things that are tilted." The um, and then you, I know you're using big drums, big cymbals. What what is your setup right now as far as sizes? Yeah, I'm using um, DW. It's a 26 kick drum, 26 by 18, so big kick drum. Um, I use two floor toms, a 14 and an 18. Um, and then, uh, symbols, I'm using a 24 Sabian, in, uh, ride 24 crash and 22 crash and then 18 inch hats, which are actually crashes as well. Um, and yeah, man, big symbols. I love, I love big drums, big symbols. I find that in arenas and in different, um, you know, a lot of these bigger venues, they, they just, they seem to project really well and they, they kind of hang on a little bit longer than mm-hmm. you know a, a smaller symbol and now i've just gotten comfortable with them and i and i love the way they feel i love the way they sound i love you know all that comes along with it and um obviously you gotta you gotta play what the room calls for different things so i'll, I'll play smaller stuff sometimes but yeah man I, it's uh, it feels good to to play that big stuff <laughs> that's cool and the 14 inch uh floor tom is uh, when you're sitting behind the kit is to the left of the kick drum. So it's not like two floor toms sitting next to each other in a traditional right, way. Right. But it's, yeah, it's, it's almost it's like where a tom would be. But left. It's like where a rack tom would be. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. But they're both on legs and, and um, yeah, exactly. That's crazy. Crazy cool, but crazy. You were crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're inspiring awesome. people to be just as crazy in that. That's good. Uh, me and a, a buddy of mine, Justin Miller, um, he has a studio in Nashville um, called Yellow, ha- Yellow Hammer Studios. And um, we got together, and I always did a lot, a lot of stuff with him at his studio and different things. And um, he knows I love big drums. And he said one day, he said, man, let's, you want to do a, a sampling project? You want to sample your drums? Um, you know, I said, absolutely. So I said, but I want, I want them to be huge. I want them to be big. I want them to be different, you know, not just necessarily another studio kit. And, um, he said, well, I've got a warehouse, a 60,000 square foot warehouse that we could go record some samples at. So it's a little bit excessive, but it, it, um, we got there and we spent a day and man, it, it turned out really, really cool. And, um, it's cool too, because my brain just goes, yeah, I want the big drums, but his brain goes, okay, let's have a let's have a, a package of the big drums, but then also let's take those same samples and put them into a, a make them into a studio sound as well, mm-hmm. um, and everything in between. So with that with that sample package with the kit that I have on there now is um, uh, it's the best of both worlds because you can take the big uh, you know warehouse sound or the studio sound. And um, it's been cool because now we've uh, we've we're kind of we're slowly expanding, but um, this next year we'll be launching a bunch. But we just released a uh, a studio Craviato kit with a bunch of snare drums, and then um, we actually just got done recording Rich Redman um, his kit. So we spent a couple of days doing that as well, and mm-hmm. we should be launching that towards the end of the year. So and I'll so probably have another a- kit on there soon, and and uh, it'll be good. So this is a Nashville sampling company is something that you guys have started together, just an organic type thing. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. It was kind of the idea of hey, let's let's do your drum samples. Let's make you a drum sample package, and then mm-hmm. we went, man, why let's do this. Let's get some of these Nashville guys that um, you know kind of have an influence on the industry and our our session players and live players, right? And see if they want to get on board and, and, and get a, a sample together. So that's cool. Um, we went, man, let's go for it. So we're just, we're hitting it as hard as we can. And the stuff's great, man. The stuff is sounding that's fun. killer. So it's we've gotten a lot of great feedback and it's, yeah, it's very good. It's good. And what's the process? Like when you're in there recording, I, I saw a little bit of a video and it sounded like uh, when you were sampling a cross stick and so you're just, you're smacking it and then it kind of dissipates and then you're smacking it. Right. It's a long, it's a long day. It's a long process <laughs> because you know you have to you have to do different velocities. Uh-huh. You know, in the, obviously the more the better. So mm-hmm. you know, 
know, say the highest velocity is 10, you know, you've got to start at 10, let that, you know, ring out and then try to do it a little lighter at nine and then eight, work your way all the way down to the smallest tap because the most, the more velocities you can have, the better because then it's more of a, you know, if, if someone's a producer's programming a kit on his keyboard or playing it on a SPDSX, you want all as much velocity and um, as much as that real feel and real sound of ghost notes and all that as you can possibly sure. get. So to create that, and um, we we try to do as much of that as we can because it's it's I think it's important, you know. And uh, were you sampling grooves as well? Um, we we have done a little bit. Rich Redman um, on his kit, we did uh, some grooves, but um, not as many as we want. And we will be doing more in the future as well okay. it's uh that's kind of never ending you know mm-hmm. you could spend you could spend endless days recording gro- mm-hmm. grooves because um, yeah. you have different tempos you have different velocities you have different grooves you have different fills i mean it's it's pretty endless when it comes to it but sure um you know in time we'll do it this modern drummer i know back in 2013 um, you were, you were voted up and coming drummer of the year. Is that right? I was. Yeah. That's yep. great, man. That's really awesome. Uh, and then isn't there something newer too? uh, were you nominated for country drummer of the year? I was. Yeah. Um, yep. It just, just in the last month or so it's, um, the, the voting's still going on, but yeah, nominated for okay. country drummer of the year. And, um, I think the voting ends the mid mid December, but so we'll see what happens. But okay. yeah, man, it's such a such an honor to to even be nominated. It's like I, I remember being a kid and reading Modern Drummer every month. Man, I couldn't wait to get that magazine, and it's it's so so crazy, so wild yeah. to to even see see your name in there, have an article in there, or anything. It's like, it's it's an honor for sure. Yeah, it's got to be. An honor to have it, especially for those of us that grew up with something like Modern Drummer, just what a surreal experience it is to see your name in there, either to have an article written, but to be nominated along with oftentimes a lot of our heroes. Um, but it's that's really cool, man, uh, just to uh, ha- having done that. And good luck, um, you know, on the country drummer end of things. <laughs> I appreciate that, yeah. man. Appreciate um, it. There's a a nonprofit that you're involved in. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? It's something that uh, actually now my brother-in-law and I started. Uh, uh, man, I'd say about eight years back, and um, you know we started. It, it all kind of started because uh, I had a buddy who always went overseas, went to all these different countries as a missionary. He still does. And, um, you know, he came back one time and we were sitting around talking and I said, what do, uh, what do, what do kids say? Like, what do they, when you hang out with these kids, what do they, what do they want? What do, do they want toys? Do they want, you know, what is it that they want? And he said, honestly, they just say that they want to be, uh, they want to be known and they want to be loved. They want to know that, you know, people in America and in these, these, all these, great countries um know about us and know that we exist and that was they really hit hit me pretty hard you know thinking yeah, this kid didn't say oh yeah i want a bike or i want a you know mm-hmm. playstation or whatever it is this kid said i just want to be loved and known and yeah. so that's kind of where the name came from know me love me and um and so anyways long story short we we now uh we create backpack and we send um, backpacks full of educational material um, to, to different or- orphanages, and we do bag drops, and we're, we're linked up with um, a few different places. Um, and we, and so, so it's one of those things where him and I both get busy with what we're doing, but it, it kind of sustains itself. And um, even if we're not selling any bags, if we know a friend or a missionary that's going to a place, we'll say, hey, we just take a bunch of this stuff and and drop it. And, um, mm-hmm. it's such an amazing thing, man. It can't be done enough. And, um, you know, we're, we're actually, we're about to launch some new things with it that, that are going to be very cool. So 
That's really um, cool. Yeah, and, it's, and, it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So know me, love me is it's, there's a, the acronym K M L M dot O R G. Is that right? Yep. That's okay. It. Yeah. That I love that the, uh, website. Yep. Okay. My, uh, that's really awesome, dude. I, uh, my wife works for a nonprofit here in Nashville and, uh, I'm really proud of the work that she does and that there's that she interacts with the community in need and she has worked with, uh, people overseas and she's worked with refugees as well. And to make that part of the public consciousness that there are people out there less fortunate in developing countries and other places that it sounds like, you know, Hey, do you guys know we're here? Um, do you know right. what's going on outside of your bubble? <laughs> um, exactly. It's so true. Yeah. That's really cool. And, but you guys, the, 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 uh, what you guys are offering to those who are interested is the backpack. So you can go to, uh, kmlm.org and buy one of the backpacks. And then the proceeds goes towards other backpacks that are filled with things that are, is that the idea? That's exactly right. Yep. And, okay. and it's, it's cool because when we first started, we, you know, we would just get backpacks however we could. And now we've actually, um, we got a bunch of sewing machines for an orphanage in, um, the Domin- Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. And they, we've actually now, uh, they have, they have these jobs. So they, they are creating, they are building, they are making the backpacks for us. So it's, it's, the whole the whole point is to end the poverty cycle, and now these mm-hmm. people have jobs because of these backpacks they're making and sending to us, and it's pretty amazing, man. It's it's pretty um it's pretty cool to see. So we're, we've linked up with some churches as well, and mm-hmm. we're doing some back to school drops with them, and and again that creates more jobs and work yeah. for for the people down there, and it's ending hopefully ending you know the poverty cycle is is the whole goal, you know. Right. Right. That's great, man. Uh, it's really admirable, uh, especially um, somebody that, again, you're talking about, okay, I've got this gig, and um, you're just not being complacent about anything, whether it's about music or business or other ways to participate in life, uh, and that's that's really great. And, and you're a young dude, too, so uh, that's great. <laughs> you have a chance to be a good example to your peers to people that are coming up, young people that are coming up uh, in in this business, and to um, and and to lots of people, man. So that's really great. Props to you for sure. Appreciate that. Is there a compliment about your playing or you that you hear most consistently? You know, I'd say. The biggest thing that I get and maybe hear from producers, uh, I'd say there's two different things. From producers and guys like that, I always hear it's it, you're consistent, you're you're always locked in with the click. There's no movement there, and and uh, you know I I, I realized that at, at a young age, and and for a producer that's huge because it's a lot less work for them yeah. on the tail end. But um, you know I think that's the thing I hear from them most, and and from other people and, and just, I guess an audience, maybe someone that's not a musician is, you know, I get a lot, you have so much, uh, passion when you play or, you know, you, you seem so, uh, every hit you mean it. And mm-hmm. it's more than just, you know, I'm sitting back here playing drums. And, and again, I think that stems from at a young age, I had that mentality of, of, you know, it was a, maybe playing in church and things like that where I went, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give it my all every time I play. Yeah. And, um, and so I'd say those are the two things that I, I definitely get the most and, and I, I appreciate them. You know what I mean? It's, it's, right. it's hard for me to take a compliment to be honest with you, but, <laughs> um, I, you know, it always, it always does mean a lot and, yeah. and, uh, those are, those are cool things to hear. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What what does the future hold for Garrett? <laughs> Man, I hopefully more more of this, more playing, more. Um, uh, you know, I, I've I've started to just this year jump into the drum clinic thing, and um, it's something I never 
never really thought I would do. Um, not, I'm not a big public speaker, but I've done a few and I, I really actually enjoy them. And it's been a cool thing and I've, I've gotten more calls to do more. So hopefully more of that, um, more of the Nashville Sampling Company and more than nonprofit and, and, you know, just keep pushing forward with playing as well and, and um, always growing and always, always progressing in that. So, yeah, more, so, more, yeah. more, more stuff. More life. That's it. <laughs> That's it. I'm actually. I can. I can say this. I'm. I'm. Uh, I wasn't going to, but I'm working on a. Um, this may not be what I call it, but a kind of an interactive uh, drum program. Drum. You know, maybe a six month long thing. And I haven't said that to anybody, but um, I've been yeah. putting it together now this whole year, and um, hopefully sometime this next year I'll be launching that and and getting that going. So. Yeah, be on the lookout for that. So, uh, what is it now? Um, I, kind of an interactive drum program. So, kind of an online, but also in person um, mm-hmm. lessons. But uh, kind of a course, I guess is is how I should say it. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Where I'm I'm putting different things together, but um, there'll be other drummers involved. There'll be in studio stuff involved. There'll be live stuff involved throughout this whole say six month process mm-hmm. um, of getting from one point to the ending point. And, um, and again, I've I've been trying to put it together this whole year and organize it. And and um, it's I'm I'm pretty excited about it. it. Should be should be something cool. So we'll see. Look forward to it. It it sounds like this just this common thread and all these extra things that you're doing outside of Carrie's gig is that you're not taking your gig for granted but you're utilizing the opportunities that you're given to kind of uh, use that as a launching pad to whether it's your nonprofit or for networking as you're traveling and teaching to those people who learn who you are um, and right. it, it that's that's brilliant, man. I love that. It sounds like you've got a really strong platform uh, to continue to build upon some of these things that you're doing. That's that's great. It's it and it's encouraging, and um, and it's inspiring. So um, I'm glad we can talk and uh, people know. Hopefully, they'll know a little bit more about the extra things that you do as opposed to um, oh yeah, the guy with the crazy setup who plays with Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. There you go. I like that. <laughs> Maybe That's that could awesome. be a, a crazy setup. Plays with org. No, I'm kidding. That could be your new, yeah, right, new right. handle or whatever. <laughs> hey, they might not. There's something there. <laughs> yeah. Um, Garrett, I'm going to let you go, man. But um, this is great. Thanks for uh, just carving out some time in this this uh, with your schedule. And um, this is this is cool. Absolutely, man. I really appreciate you having me. And um, it's been awesome. It's been good just chatting with you. And hopefully we can hang sometime soon, too. That'd be, that'd be killer. Yeah, yeah. It'd be nice to meet you in person, for sure, man. Uh, but good luck on the, the next 30 days or so. Um, hope your holidays appreciate are good. And hope you get some family time. Uh, Sounds good, Matt. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, thanks, man. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Garrett. I hated to bring up his unique setup as it it always seems to be a dominant topic and some of the things that I've read about him. I I think the takeaway for me is that it's important to have an open mind with things like setup, stick grip, uh, drum and cymbal sizes. I believe there's still so much to be discovered with our relatively young instrument. My thanks, as always, goes to Mike Jackson for his technical help. Stay tuned next week for Zach Albetta and his interview. Just a reminder, your interaction with us on our social media is great. It helps us grow, and your comments and ratings on iTunes is also a big help. But thanks again for listening. appreciate your support, and I hope to see you around. Bye-bye.